You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. To all our Mission Field USA podcast listeners, I'm Pastor Steve Shave, Director of LCMS Church Planting, and here in KFUO Studios with my co-host, as usual, is the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson. Hello, Mark. Hello, Steve. It's great to be with you. And it's always good to have you with us in a special, important topic today about uh, strategic planning. And our guest with us is the President Lee Hagan of the Missouri District. President Hagan, Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be with you guys this afternoon. And we're excited to have you with us. We know that you're quite the strategist, and we're excited to hear how you and your district have worked through the Plus One program. And when we talk about strategic planning, it's great to have kind of a a set goal for simple ways uh, that congregations can be more actively engaged in new mission work, and the plus one definitely sounds like something that every congregation in a district can participate in, just to get them at least thinking about and planning for doing new mission. But one of the things that I wanted to start talking about is just this idea of the church and planning um, that might not always seem to go together. Planning might almost seem to be somewhat, I don't know, anti-spiritual, because typically when we think in biblical terms that the Spirit's going to work as the Spirit works and the Spirit wills as the Spirit wills. And even when we see uh, planting new churches uh, throughout Paul's missionary journeys, uh, you know, we see the Spirit actively engaged, uh, you know, in where Paul will be going to plant new congregations. But we want to tackle this question, why, why should a core group that's interested in church planting start with a planning process. Mark? Well, I was just going to add, Steve, uh, how does the saying go, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan, something <laughs> like that? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But President Hagen, what, what would you do in terms of encouraging a core group? If they have an interest in church planning, why would they consider starting with a planning process? Well, it's a great question. And we often will talk about uh, kind of first article gifts that God gives. And and among those, you know, we even confess in the catechism that God has given us reason in all of our senses. And so, you know, in in utilizing that gift of reason, we're able to to make some assessments about uh, what might be possible in a particular church community. And so, you know, if if I'm living in, uh, let's just say, uh, you know, middle America, and I you know, want to reach out to a particular uh, group of people, it might be good for me to do my homework and make sure that um, that kind of a group of people exists in this particular community. And so, you know, one of the places that we start is uh, always with a demographic study. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the old Sesame Street song, Who Are the People of Your Neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to figure out who is my neighbor, uh, who are the what is the mission field like in in our particular midst? 
And so um, that can be really insightful uh, for a group of core leaders to determine um, who are the people that are around, um, what are their um, you know, what are some things that we can learn about them from a demographic study? What are the particular needs in the community? Um, that kind of homework can really help uh, help a, a, a steering committee or a, a church planting uh, core group narrow their focus. Um, that's part of what I think uh, we want is kind of a a sniper rifle uh, focus rather than just uh, a machine gun, just aiming in some general direction and firing and hoping we hit the target. Fair enough. And that kind of leads into another point, and that would be that obviously we have a church planning initiative at the national level where we really want to encourage people to think about new missions to new people and new places and happy to help with that. Uh, But we don't plant churches, and districts uh, typically don't uh, just send missionaries into plant churches, it's more likely that it will be a core group of people from a congregation that are serving as the mother church that daughter a daughter church. What what do you think, uh, President Hagen, in terms of first steps, pre-planning? Why would you reach out to your district and have them help with identifying some mission opportunities in that pre-planning process? Well, that's where uh, the resources from the Lutheran Church Extension Fund can be a real blessing uh, in uh, digging in on that demographic study to to get a better understanding of the community makeup. Um, one of the other things that we'll often encourage is kind of an interview process. So uh, to sit down and interview potential community leaders. And so whether that's someone from a public school, someone from uh, a local hospital or uh, some other community organization to to better understand where are you know what are some needs that are being underserved, what might be some uh, specific opportunities for the church to address some of those needs that exist in the community you know it, yes, there are churches that plant through uh, child care, but if that market is saturated, so to speak, that may not be the necessarily the best approach. And so, you know, sitting down with community leaders and, and getting a better understanding of what the needs are in the community could really be beneficial for that core team. Very good. So doing everything that you can to set yourself up for success sounds like it's important in terms of working with your district and, and doing your due diligence and, and your homework. So let's dive in a little bit more with the actual topic of of strategic planning itself. And I know in our own uh, Mission Field USA church planning resource that was put together, there is a a very step-by-step approach uh, to give you the basics of strategic planning. Um, But President Hagen, could you help us to highlight what you think are some of the important aspects of what strategic planning entails for a core group? Well, I think one of the things that's changed here in the last few years is that uh, congregations are no longer um, drawing up elaborate five- and ten-year strategic plans. Um, Part of it is because we see uh, things in our communities are changing so fast, and and to be able to be more adaptive to change. Uh, and, And so it may be that a congregation identifies a direction, um, 
And within that strategic plan, there may be parts that change on an annual basis rather than, okay, th these are what our projections are for five and ten years from now. Uh, you know, if we look back five years ago, uh, just on the cultural shifts in our country, we're probably going to be shocked at how quickly things have moved. And so, you know, we want our congregations to be nimble, to be able to be responsive. Um, but again, what's that mean for a strategic planning process? Identifying what are kind of the key areas that a congregation wants to, to focus on or a church plant wants to focus on. You know, what are some of the measurables that you can have? But then how are you, um, how are you evaluating it on an annual basis and, and tweaking the plan, if you will? And so um, that, that annual process, I think, is more important than devoting all of this energy into something that, um, that may just change dramatically overnight. Oh, very true, especially in today. With our technology and the rapid changes in our society, that's that's a very good point. And as you said, you're talking about things that happen in in context. And while we know that this is God's uh, mission ultimately when it comes to church planting, there's still a part that we will be playing in it, and it might be unique based on the context as you're describing. So, President Hagen, why do you think it's helpful to write these things out? You know, what what is your mission? What's what are your core values? What do you envision for the future of the church and community to look like and setting specific goals to get to that place? Why is that helpful to go through that process? Well, I, I think each of the things that you mentioned there are, are critical. Uh, establishing what our core values are helps us to um, inform the decisions that we make. Uh, it helps us to um, to even then begin to evaluate um, how are we progressing uh, towards those goals. Um, so those are some, some things that are, are really pretty critical for, uh, for the process. Um, not everything comes down to to numbers, and if the only way we're um, evaluating whether something is quote successful or not is based upon the numbers, that's kind of a dangerous thing. Hmm. Um, in many respects, uh, where some of the numbers are not necessarily trending in positive ways for the Christian church, but that doesn't mean we're not being faithful. And so we've got to learn to be able to evaluate. Uh, with different lens than we may have 20 years ago, um, because a lot has changed in our world. So, you know, what are the what are the metrics that we're going to use, uh, and and how do they inform uh, decisions about the future? That's where the core values become really important. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I think some of this might scare certain folks off because it sounds very. You know, I have an executive MBA, and these things sound like business metrics, and they sound like they come out of, you know, a textbook for, for doing business. But um, there still are some metrics that we can use uh, in terms of uh, how, how to best prepare and how to best plan. I think scripturally speaking, you know, it speaks about uh, if you're going to go out and fight in a war, you better yep, know. Count the cost. Count the cost of, of what it's going to cost. So I think I think it's fair to say that, you know, uh, there are certain parameters uh, that we can look at and at the same time consider how do these things tie into our faithfulness to God's Word and Sacrament ministry. Any other thoughts about that? 
Well, and and that's where I think we've got to distinguish between um, what in the church doesn't change, and that is our faithfulness to the Word, faithfulness to the Lutheran confessions. Um, what is our not even our mission, ultimately what is God's mission, and it is to seek and to save the lost, to make disciples of all nations. Those things don't change. Um, But how the church has planted churches has gone through uh, many transitions over the years, and it's it's a different era, and so we end up using words like sustainable. Um, which that may not have been the way the church was thinking when they were planting, you know, the next A-frame LCMS church in the next suburb. I mean, it was a different era of church planting where districts were buying properties and calling missionaries at large. Um, We're not able to take the same approach to church planting as we once did. Um, So, you know, how do we go about this what's still God's mission to make disciples, we have to do it being faithful to the scriptures and the confessions, but also being faithful stewards of the resources God has given. And so we don't have unlimited funds. And um, that informs some of the decisions that we make. And that, while that's, you know, leads for some difficult decisions, we're striving to be, um, you know, those faithful stewards of God's resources. That's a very good point. And it is kind of scary to think in terms of efficiencies and effectiveness and that sort of thing. But as Mark and I have kind of seen on the national level, just like you're saying that the the resources are somewhat limited, we want to make sure that we're, we're not making a huge investment that and coming up, coming up with perhaps models that aren't replicable, I guess you could say. But I mean, Mm -hmm. as you said, the bottom line for it really is just being the best stewards of the resources that we have to make sure that um, when we're committing um, God's resources that he has given to us to to manage, uh, that we do it well. And uh, God, I think, can expect us to to do that with somewhat of uh, excellence. Yes, Mark? Well, I just wondered if... Maybe in uh, your vast experience, you've uh, seen where God changes our plans. Uh, I think of the early believers in in the book of Acts. I think their plan was probably everyone stays in Jerusalem and (laughs) huddles there. Uh, But God, I think, changed their plan with persecution. He spread them out. And in doing so, he, uh, um, you know, the church spread. I I don't know if you've seen examples like that with, uh, uh, you know, in, in our day. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we that's where we have to be willing to adapt that uh, sometimes church plants uh go in with kind of a, this type of a focus and what they what they learn as things go along is here's another door that the Lord may be opening up for us and if we say, "Oh, no, no, that's not part of the plan. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. might be missing a, just a great opportunity for, for God to use us to, to reach people in a, a way that, while we didn't expect, he was guiding it every step of the way. Sure. So just that, that openness to, uh, to adapt, um, to be able to tweak what, uh, what we've worked on. Um, because, again, you're right. I mean, when we make our plans— God laughs. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And getting back to your your conversation with us about the importance of understanding what you value, how you envision your future, trying to decide who who you are as a church in this place. 
To me, it sounds like as you're going through this planning process, it can actually be really helpful in actually forming your group as they're going forward. So, President Hagan, how do you see going through this process as helping with fostering unity? And if so, why is unity so important for this core group just starting out? Well, we want to... Ultimately, we want to see everyone kind of aiming for the same target uh, or pulling in the same direction. And and that's where um, sometimes I think that that can even be healthier in a – in a new church plant than an established congregation because there's been a a real – a clear and defined process, whereas sometimes it, an established congregation, they go through different uh, chapters in the congregational history, and they reach the point where they're not sure exactly of um, how, they're, how they relate to their community um, at different points in the future, whereas sometimes a, a new church plant, that's, that's really crystallized through the kind of a strategic planning process. So, um, yeah, our our hope is that uh, a core team, that there is a clear focus of uh, this is who we are as the people of God. This is why we're here in this community at this time and place. And these are the ways that we're engaging our communities with the gospel. Yeah, and I think even as you... you know, even in my own experience as a church planner, and we're talking about those metric things, those things that you kind of can't sleep at night thinking about the the numbers of people that are coming and the dollars that are coming in and how you want to become a self-sufficient congregation. And those things can be a bit of a a distraction. And when you're focused on, you know, where is the money going to be coming in to sustain the church? You used the word sustainable before. Um, To me, one of the things that I know that I tried to focus on is, you know, as long as we don't have division, as long as we have shared purpose, as long as we have unity in the church, I really never saw uh, those other things that are outside of our control as being what would kind of be the the downfall of the church plant. But instead, if we could maintain our unity, if we could continue to serve faithfully, um, that God would ultimately provide. And that, to me, was one of the key things. It wasn't it wasn't the spreadsheet for the budget. It was the unity of this core group because it seemed like not much could stop us as long as we were in it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. That's where I think the scriptures um, paint a beautiful descriptive picture for us, you know, to, to read Ephesians chapter 4 and, and see the description of what church health looks like. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, that unity ends up being, that's a healthy thing when we see that we're connected w- with one another through holy baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. Uh, That's a healthy thing for us to see our identity in that respect. Amen. I think that's why it's important to really focus on the life together part of church planning and the planning process. Mark? Um, I've heard the importance of unity explained with uh, what's called the two-horse rule. Uh, if you guys have ever heard that or not, but apparently a draft horse, you know, can pull one draft horse can pull two tons, but two draft horses can pull not two tons but four tons. Ah. They can du- they can double the amount. Yeah. And then also, if those horses train together, they can they can 
basically increase what they can pull again and perhaps even double it. So huh? I just thought that was a really interesting yeah. Yeah. way to way to explain. Yeah. yeah, synergy. Yeah, synergy is all about we can do more together than if we did it individually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the yeah. Uh, you know when you add it together, it's it's more than just the the sum of the parts. It becomes more. Yeah. And, um, in, and of course, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's, that's all. That's all. Good. That's good too. But. That's good too. <laughs> We're for it. Yeah, very good. Very good. So, so yeah, I, I think again, uh, the planning process, kind of really honing in on that life together and and developing that kind of unity of purpose is is going to be vital. Uh, so, I think it's fair to say. Um, that these formational statements uh, that are going to identify who you are, what you value. Um, President Hagan, I think it's fair to say that these, these can't just be slogans that you, you put up on a wall. They, they actually need to drive your decision-making process. They need to be really foundational to everyone uh, heading in that same direction with the same purpose. Is that fair to say that you need to make sure that you're, you're living these things, that they're not just slogans on a wall? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, your your budget, your church calendar should all be evidence of those kind of statements. I mean, this is this is what everything that you you are about is demonstrated in in how your your life as the as the church. So, um, if it's just something that's on the top of a paper um, that you look at once in a while. That's just trying to check a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, what our hope is is this is part of the you know your DNA, so to speak. This is um, this is what the congregation is living out Monday to Friday as well as Sunday morning. Yeah, very good. And you know I've heard that said too. Kind of the first tablet of the commandments. Individually speaking, you can tell a lot by looking in somebody's calendar and their checkbook. Checkbook in terms of yeah. you know fear, love, and trust in God above. All things. So, as you're saying, I think that's probably uh, something that we could look at corporately as well. That um, you can identify. You know, you, you, we've said that this is our value. We've said. So, I remember even in, in the planning process, in terms of where we were going to locate uh, ourselves, um, where we're going to be in this part of town, this part of time. All those things, we really did try to tie it back into. But what is what? What did we say? was formational for us? What did, what did we say we valued? What did we say was our, our reason for being in this place? So um, I, I do think that this should uh, be evident in the in the life of the church. Mark? Well, I was just going to ask, you know, there's this saying that my culture eats your strategic plan for lunch. <laughs> uh, so, I, yeah, I don't know if you have any, yeah, it's, it's not my saying, but um, I don't know if you had any advice on, you know, how do you, in a sense, overcome the lack of momentum or momentum in the wrong direction or just kind of habits that are not focused on the mission or the um, formational statements and values that uh, a, a church or a mission would have? Um, I, I think regularly having some kind of a support network that the planter or members of the core team are meeting with to to basically encourage, um, coach them through, and you know, because it, because it's easy to get discouraged, um, but it's also easy, I think, to um, to tie ourselves so much to what we thought the plans were that we're not willing to. Um, willing to 
change directions at all. No, no, no. We've we've done our homework. This has got to be what the focus is. Um, we've got to be more willing to to be open to other options there. And, and so, um, but having someone who is supportive, someone who's you know providing that listening ear and also that sage counsel, I I think is is really a benefit for the the planter because. Um, yeah, church planting ends up being tough, and, and there can be a lot of um, times where they, they get discouraged. Um, you know, well, we, if we're going to fail, we want to fail fast. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So. Very good. And that kind of brings up our, our final point. Um, just as you said, uh, not necessarily this elaborate five to ten year that you you stick to your guns, but to be more adaptive, how do you recommend kind of that ongoing planning and ongoing assessment of the plan? Um, I think you've got to have some um, in, in still in a timeline. This, these are the times that we're really going to uh, assess the situation. Um, and, you know, what can we learn from it? What are we going to do with that kind of information? Um, one of the things I like about Luke's uh, re- recording of Acts is the consistent uh, updates, if you will, hmm. that are provided. I mean, it's almost like, well, this is where things stand. <laughs> um, you know, if if we're willing to um, take a pause and evaluate where we are in a church plant um, and not be afraid of that, I think that can be really beneficial for um, for that planter or that uh, core team. Okay. And then drilling down into the, the ongoing assessment, you know, you already mentioned um, failures. And I know, as you said, you, you want to fail quickly, meaning that Failure doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It's inevitable that there will be some mistakes made. There will be some failures. You don't want to repeat those mistakes. You want to um, be able to bounce back quickly from your mistakes. I've heard kind of a sports analogy that failure is like resistance training. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, it'll make you stronger in the end Mm -hmm. uh, if you let it. But what do you think about learning from your mistakes then? Um, not every, um, not everything that leads to a failure is necessarily going to be the same in, in a future church plant or future effort. But yeah, there, there are definitely things that we can learn from the previous ones. Uh, that's not, that it's not intended to make us gun shy, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, what can we learn from it? I think one of the goals would be is for us to not approach church planting as if we've got to keep on funding this because we can't fail. Hmm. And so rather than it being a church plant that on occasion, because we don't hit a, 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 a thousand percent. Um, I mean, nobody ever did that in baseball. <laughs> um, but if we could, um, if we could just avoid the failures that go on for 10 years mm-hmm. and 15 years, mm-hmm. because that ends up being poor stewardship. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are times where those that are in the district, 
you know, mission executive positions that they have to make those tough, tough calls and say, um, no, the, the best stewardship for us for the future is to go in a different direction. And we've, you know, we've got to be willing to back away from um, a, a mission that um, that may not be bearing the fruit that we had hoped. Sure. And I, I think that probably also talks about the importance of prayer and being open to what God's will truly is, because a lot of these things, as you said, you don't want to repeat mistakes, but sometimes it's the opposite. Things are not in your control. I think Mark and I have talked to enough church planters that they went out one place, they d- planned a certain way, everything went absolutely according to plan, and, you know, they were well-renowned uh, for mm-hmm. this amazing church plant. Um, and then they're called upon to plant another church somewhere else, almost the exact same scenario, and yet completely different results. Um, and it's not a failure on their part, it's just that as we're saying, a lot of these things are not in our control. A lot of these things have to be done according to God's good and gracious will. Uh, and, and I think that's part of what you guys are trying to do, whether it's the podcast or, or even the church planning manual, yeah. is here are some best practices. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not guarantees, right. but here are some best practices that, that we've seen where the Lord has um, has given significant growth to to this kind of a church plant. And so um, that's what we want is for congregations to, you know, be able to evaluate, here are some best practices that we think might translate well for this specific um, plant. Yeah, and that's exactly why we're having this conversation today. We want to help Mother congregations that are out there that are considering this, but there's just kind of this fear of the unknown. There's these obstacles that might be in their way. They really don't like even have the first idea on how how do we get started. So we we do. We try to set out some basic scriptural life of the church patterns that you will see in starting new missions. Um, and again, as you said, there there's no guarantees here, but at least um, you can get a glimpse into what are some steps? What, you know, what can we do to start this pre-planning process? How do I uh, discuss this with my district? How do I work with the LCEF to find out who my neighbor is? You know, what, what does it take to go through this process of really establishing my core group, building up my life together, getting into the community with witness and mercy, and then ultimately uh, the even the bureaucratic steps of how do I how do I charter this thing? How do I incorporate this thing? How do I get my tax ID number? You know, so to, to try to take away some of the the guesswork. That's definitely a big part of Mission Field USA, and we're happy to work with all of our districts and uh, just be an encouragement uh, again to kind of get past that fear of the unknown and to remove some of those obstacles to give people some some step by step, but ultimately put it into God's hands. And we're very excited, uh, you know, to have President Hagen with us today uh, to talk about strategic planning and the importance of really establishing your core group and coming up with some of those foundational aspects of what it is to be the church in this place. President Hagen, do you have any final thoughts for us on the importance then of including planning into your start of a new mission through this church planning process? 
Well, I think, you know, you touched there at the end, but uh, we approach it always prayerfully. Mm. And uh, as we sow the seed, we pray that God would indeed give uh, abundant growth uh, to the seeds that are sown. So uh, church planters, be, you know, surrounded with people that can encourage and support you uh, in that work. And, and please know that you've got... Uh, a whole church body that's praying for uh, the the labors for the kingdom's sake. Very good, very good. And again, we're just so happy to have you with us to talk a little bit more about how how to get started with church planning, how to plan through the process, and uh, just trust in the Lord. You know, so we certainly do pray for all of our church planters out there, and and trust in God's good and gracious will that He is the Lord of the harvest, and things will be done according to His good and gracious will. President Hagan, thanks again for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks, Steve and Mark. It's good to be with you, and uh, Lord's blessings to you and all your labors, but also to to all of those that uh, that listen in on the podcast. I pray that it's a blessing for you all. Amen. Let's get Thank out you. the plows. Start planning. <laughs> Amen. All right. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.